0: My name is David Martinez, and today we're going to talk about why you should not go on a short-term mission trip. My name is Nick Forrest, and we're going to talk also about why you
1: definitely should go on a short-term missions trip.
0: So a short-term missions trip is, what would you say, about a week or two weeks, maybe sometimes three weeks where... Uh, youth groups or maybe college-age students travel to a foreign country and they do mission work? Is that yeah. how you would, is that a yeah. good de- de- definition? and sometimes I think it can get a
1: little sneaky too because sometimes it'll even infringe into a month or two months, and now there's this assumption like, well, now I'm a long-term missionary. Yeah. No, this is still short. Anything when you have not had to get through your stash of M&Ms,
0: <laughs> that feels like, okay, now you're... You're still in long-term. Baby. Is there, would in you say term. there's a distinction? What's the? How much time do you have to be abroad as a missionary to stop being a short-term missionary?
1: Well, you got to, you got to at some point confront the culture difference and you have to be there long enough to appreciate it and still appreciate your own because there's that sense that, okay, I don't like this here. I could make it better. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. There is actually some real value and a difference, different perspective And then the next piece is when you get home, you get mad at your own people. You get mad at your parents because they just paved the driveway and used all these thousands of dollars and they could have helped people in some other place. And then you can start to appreciate your own place again. Like when you've gone long enough away to where you really miss your own culture. I feel like that... Okay. That's kind of yeah, a measure. Good. I
0: like that. Yeah. So it's not a, a, a certain amount of time. It's not two years, five years, ten years. It's just it's enough time to get over those cultural barriers and appreciate. Yeah, I like that. That's good. But you were you were a missionary for some years in Tanzania, mm-hmm. and you must have received a number of short term missions trips.
1: Yeah. Yes. We worked in <clears throat> Tanzania with YWAM Youth mm-hmm. with a Mission. And the Foursquare denomination. And so there were constantly teams coming. Sometimes there were uh, church teams that would come for two weeks or even a month. Every once in a while a family would come, like with their kids. And those were always super meaningful because they had enough um, stock and skin in the game to actually bring their kids, right? So this was different than just Euro tourism, you know, something like I want to see a different ethnicity and I want to call it a mission trip. Right.
0: I want to feel good about my vacation. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go help yeah. help for a little uh-huh. bit. And then, yeah, OK. Yeah, that's good.
1: Or there would be um, young people that would come for a YWAM discipleship school. And this was probably four to five months, okay. still short term for the most part, but kind of infringing on the boundaries of
0: short term. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So what's your what do you what's your overall take? Cuz I I maybe have a slightly negative view towards missions trips. I think they often do more damage than good. Uh, I can uh, you know there are, there are a lot of there's a lot of research out there on the impact of short term missions trips. You know, we can th- we can talk about the White Savior Complex or Messiah Complex, you know, and again what I mentioned earlier uh as a joking but I have serious too about this idea of I am a Christian. I'm in the United States, and I really go. On, I really want to go on vacation, but I can't. Mm-hmm. So I need to go help somebody, and that's how I get my vacation. And in fact, I've heard people say that. I've heard people say during the pandemic. I've heard them say, "I miss, I miss uh, going on missions trips because I miss vacations," or, or you know, I miss like, traveling. Yeah, basically, I miss traveling. Yeah. As if missions equates to traveling. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I
1: think there is. Part of that on the part of the naive goer, right? And hopefully the experience is rich enough to where they can overcome that. It doesn't always, the shorter the trip, the harder it is to overcome that. I think a a lot of it has to do with the church that sends too. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been in a prayer time where someone's sending a group short term and there's this sense of prayer like, when you step on that land, the light will come. Hmm. Or when you enter this new place, you're gonna you're gonna meet someone and change their life, as if God isn't already in that place, as right. if it's not already light, like like the scriptures talk about, like glaring, screaming for its own redemption out of the rocks, yeah. as if God isn't making all things beautiful, like Ecclesiastes says, and so I guess I guess part of the problem is the way that we set up the trip, right? Because I think there's a lot of richness. In the trip itself, if it has the right thesis, right, like if it knows why it's existing, right. I, I mean, you, you also were overseas, right? You were I raised was. overseas. I was. Your parents were missionaries, receiving teams. They were. What I, I wonder, I guess my thought is, is
0: it different in the age we're in now than it was a generation ago? I think so. It has to, right? Things evolve, things change, and yet somehow and weirdly, they, you know, they stay the same. Some of the negative traits. You know, I we also received a number of groups, youth groups, and it, it never really, it never dawned on me. Really, they were just kind of they were there. They would come, and and sometimes, you know, sometimes they were difficult. Uh, like, like do you have a story? Well, is there one you can think yeah, of. Yeah, there like are, like You know, there are there are right there. the quintessential American who comes, and you know, Spain isn't. You know, when you think about potential discomfort, you know, Spain is. You have nice hotels and like comfortable beds and what I would consider normal food. Right. Yeah. And you have the, 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 the typical, I was going to say typical, not all Americans are <laughs> like this, but you know, you get uh, some Americans who come and, and they're used to a certain level of comfort or certain, or, you know, food is cooked a certain way. And when they don't get that, they can start to get a little uncomfortable. And so you have the, the full gamut of that, you know, like uh, people who come and they're ready to, uh, to be in the moment and in the country and then people who are uncomfortable. And it's Mm. hard. And so, yeah, so I think that's what I, I don't know if I have a specific person in mind when I say this, and it was also many, many years ago, but I, but I think for me, this, the shift came when I was, I was in Spain and we had a group come from a church in Atlanta from, from Atlanta and they were there for a week or two weeks. And that so that just happened to be the summer that my family went to the States on home assignment. And so I was able to be there for their report of what they did Hmm. in Spain and I was, uh, what's the word I was, I don't want to say offended, but I was pretty shocked at the way they were talking about the kinds of stuff that they did. To, to say that they exaggerated, uh, to say that it was borderline lying, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. about some of the stuff that they did. And, and to see that as somebody who was in Spain and they were supposedly ministering to my friends and to the people that, you know, they were they were friends with us. Right. Uh, I think that was very eye opening. For me, and it kind of it started me on this path of really considering what these trips do and how much damage they do. Going back to the to the to some Americans being difficult, right? I, I worked with a a um, a, a missionary in um, I think he was in Nicaragua, but he but he was Nicaragüense, right? And he would receive these groups. That was his job to receive these groups. And we're talking, and we're talking in Spanish, and you know, and he says, "I have." I have two categories for how I describe groups please easy to and I didn't get it at first you're not getting it either mm-hmm. but I'm but if I say it slowly and if no I Spanish. say it in English this is how <laughs> I, it, it's in English it would be hard to please easy to please okay and so he would he says it in Spanish Jartoplis, please easy to please and so the group would come and within a day or two he would categorize them in these two groups it's, you're either harto or you're easy to please
1: that's really interesting there is a, a Swahili um kind of parallel to that. Itoshe isitoshe. Okay. Which means it's it's plenty or it's never enough. Oh, I love that. That's really interesting. That's a good way to, to describe, describe, describe some of these short term yeah. missions trips too. So I, I remember um, hearing people come and give that same report right over and over again. And even taking teams with me from a church for a short trip and then coming back and hearing their reports. And the word little always finds its way into every description, right? <laughs> and what their, their, their little it? village and <laughs> their oh, little yes, homes yes. and their little schools. And everybody has the sweetest smile. They're all so happy and they have nothing. And it, it all just feels so patronizing. And it I guess
0: it's how it's, do you respond to that? How do you do you jump in I, right away and say
1: No, I coach ahead of time. Okay. Which I think is part of the thing with really great short-term mission trips doing some really good coaching beforehand. Sure. Cause there's a sense in which you can't prepare for what you're going to find. Right. But preparing people not to be prepared, which is this super uncomfortable spot for North Americans to be in. Yeah. We want everything organized ahead of time, but to say, you're not going to be prepared. How are you going to handle your discomfort? Yeah. And on the way back, talking through how are you going to tell people about what you felt? Are you going to play that same line in that same song? What is it? Africa, I came to frame you in a photo, And then they all frame Africa in a photograph. <laughs> or are you going to talk about what God is doing in this place long before you got there? Right. And I think, I guess that's part of my sense too. There are plenty of places where short term missions don't serve a good purpose, yeah. a godly purpose, but at what Points do they serve a godly purpose? Because there's got to be some examples of some that came that kind of like they they do they can you. They, they
0: can and they and they do. But I wanted to, that reminded me real quick of a phrase that I particularly hate, which is <clears throat> it was just so great to go love on those people, mm-hmm. and and that's another phrase. that why you, on? Hear, you know why on them? <laughs> I, I guess that's a kitchen. A, thing but that's this. that's a sort of thing that and and people are often surprised that I am that I don't like that phrase. You know, because like I was, it was great to go and love on those people. But it comes back to this idea, this again, this white savior complex or messiah complex, where you're, you know, you have all this abundance of love that you're mm. there to pour on these people, you know, and and how great, how great of you to do that, mm-hmm. right? And so it's it just it can come, it, it it can be very condescending. But but you're you're not wrong in that there are there's I think there's a good way and there's a right way of doing short-term mission strips. And that you're absolutely right that it comes with the pre-departure, right? Preparing students and, and Tragus church goers or whoever's mm-hmm. going to go on these short term mission trips uh, beforehand uh, on what to expect also on cultural humility. Yeah. Right. Cause isn't that, isn't that a big part of it is are you coming, are you really coming to share the gospel or the love of Jesus, or are you coming to export North American middle-class Ness? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I guess I, I find too that most people that go couldn't even articulate an appropriate answer to that. Right. I mean, I think there's a sense of Westernism that is just like water to a fish for us. A more, I mean, I guess even a, a, a more simple question is, why are you? what are you doing? Why do you want to go there? Mm-hmm. If the answer is something grandiose, like I'm going to change the world, I'm going to save people, I'm going to lead people to the Lord, uh, I don't know that you can do that. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't know if that's practical. I don't know if that's something that you can actually do. And I think it like, betrays itself with that phrase "love on." Yes, like just love people. Why do you gotta love on them? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I, I don't know where that. I think that kitschiness of some of our faith betrays our simplicity in a bad way. Right. Right. Just to kind of naivety. Right. Right. Instead of saying. You're, if you're gonna go, how are you going to love someone? Yeah, and how like how do you want to be loved? Right. Do you want to be loved by someone coming and giving you something and then leaving? That uh, Doesn't sound like love. That sounds like charity. That sounds like, um, what do I owe you? You know. Right. right. Uh, but loving people—that's pretty universal.
0: Right. And loving people often, maybe maybe one of the ways short-term mission trips have changed now is, is social media. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the the classic Instagram picture or story or you know, I'm going to go to an orphanage for instance, you know, and there's a phrase that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to pet some orphans, mm-hmm. you know, nobody would ever say it that way, you know, but that's effectively, it's, it feels like that's what they're doing, right. Let's get the, get the yeah. selfie with these orphans. And you know, that's, it's, it's problematic when you think about, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to this orphanage for one or two days and I'm going to get on the ground and play with these kids. And it, it comes from a good place. I think that I, I want to help. I want to, Uh, you know, be the light for these kids and so forth. But you never stop to think about why is it that this kid, after 30 seconds of knowing you, gives you a hug and is so attached to you. And, you know, do you think about how many different people they have seen over the last month, every couple of days, somebody new coming in and getting on the floor and playing with them, what that might do later on with attachment, for instance, like, those are things that we need to think about and think deeply. There are ways of helping the orphanage that are on the, that are on the back end, that are in the, in the margins, mm-hmm. that are not seen, right? You don't, you're not going to get the Instagram picture, but there are ways of financially helping. There are ways of, I don't know, uh, um, helping the, the, the people who are there every day. I think that could be a a significant and and impactful way of of doing short-term missions. Yeah.
1: I remember um, being in East Africa and hearing the kind of jobs they would give to teams. Like they'd come up with the list ahead of time. They know the kind of photo ops that teams are going to (laughs) want to bring back home. So uh, they would choose specifically things that were kind of construction-y, but wouldn't break anything, (laughs) right? Because it's the same thing with... Uh, uh, working with orphans, we want that photo. And we also want to somehow pretend that we built a structure of some kind with middle schoolers, that somehow now we've learned how to make clay bricks better than people have done that for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so we would choose like, okay, take this back corner and I guess fix the wall there. Maybe paint, throw throw a coat of paint on it. All that seems like it's pointing towards this similar question. What did you come here for? Right. You know what? What? What do you want out of this experience? And I think a really wise, short-term missions, uh, leader or sender or receiver would have the kind of forethought to think ahead of time to let people really enter in with uh, the right perspective. I remember one trip that came from Newburgh, hmm. a church that was sending a team over to a family in Rwanda, and they're asking themselves this question before they go. What kind of funds are we going to raise? What kind of things are we going to bring? And what kind of things are we going to do that's going to make a difference in the long-term work of the kingdom of God in this place we're going to? Mm. And so instead of bringing candy for kids, instead of um, bringing 120-voltage tools... (laughs) For 220 voltage countries. I mean, instead of preparing ourselves to go and make people in the community happy, uh, pass out soccer balls that they're never going to see us again. We just get this one moment to give a kid a ball and they're never going to see us again. Mm-hmm. They brought soccer balls and filled the storehouses of the long term missionaries in the place. Because if I give a soccer ball, I'm the padre, right? I'm the mze, I'm the big guy. And the one that's going to stick around after I leave is the nobody that never brings us anything. Mm. He's just here for us. Mm. So they gave all the soccer balls to these people and they passed them out Mm. so they could continue on to build these really meaningful relationships. And then they didn't hold orphan babies. They went and they held the kids of the missionaries, Mm. right? They're babysitting white kids in Rwanda so that the missionaries that are there can go on a date, a much needed time away, a weekend to some resort somewhere which is like the traditional view of usage of money in Africa is don't go to resort, save it and then feed babies or invest in these people that are going to stick around. Right, right. They're not going anywhere. They're right. staying here. Those Instagram
0: pictures are going to be very different. You yeah. know, if you're holding, if you're, uh-huh. if you're next to, if you're babysitting a missionary a family, but what an impact. Yeah. That's exactly what I was talking about earlier. I think the, the idea of, of helping or serving behind the scenes is mm-hmm. so much less attractive you know, and yet can be so much more meaningful. And those are the questions. I love the question you kept coming back to. What is it? Why are you coming? Like, why are you going? And if you, if you do a deep dive into that and you're brutally honest with yourself, some of those answers might be a little scary, but going back to your construction, which it's, it's because you hear these reports too of of, uh, different buildings that, you know, the missionary team comes in and they paint it. Mm -hmm. And then when they leave, they paint it white again Mm -hmm. (laughs) for the next group to come in, you know, and, And, uh, but, but the construction too, you mentioned, uh, you know, these middle schoolers or high schoolers who are now all of a sudden construction workers. And that's so true because not only are you not an expert in what you are doing abroad, right? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. There are mission, mission trips that are kind of around sort of industry, right? But, but maybe you're not. And not only are you doing a worse job at it, you're also taking somebody else's job. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody, somebody would have gotten paid to do that, you know, and instead of, Instead of constructing something that's not going to last, you could put that money that, you know, towards hiring somebody there to do the job. Yeah. And so those are, that goes back to the question, you know, like, what is it that you're doing? Why are you here? And, um, and, and can, it can lead you to some good places, I think, to really think deeply about why you're, why you're doing these short-term mission strips.
1: Well, and the other side of it, too, is a sense that there really is a lot of good that we can do in loving and serving people. Mm-hmm. And that also adjusts who we are. Because I know one of the big things that seems highly impactful about going in short-term missions is you have the first taste Mm -hmm. of opening up your world. You have the first opportunity to look around and see other people see things differently than I do, and I might not be right. Uh, And I think that makes an incredible amount of like seed planting investment in people that go on and do this more, mm. do this for longer term or or make a different kind of way of living in the world they come from. Mm. And I think um, in that sense, if you can also plan ahead with people that are going on a short term trip to ask the question, how are you going to be served? Yeah. Right. Because that's part of the complex too. I am the God. So they shall not serve me. They shall mm. not wash my feet. I will wash theirs instead of saying, actually, Every time a team comes, it takes a tremendous amount of work for the recipients of the help, right? Because you're going to show up, but we're going to cook for you. We're going right. to clean your spot. Right. We're going to uh, actually have to take you to the clinic because you freaked out because you got a bug. Uh, we're going to have to take you to your touristy spot and we're going to sit in the van while you go and see the animals. Yeah, I'll, I'll waste my day on all of that because you're worth it. Yeah. Because you, this Western person, are worth the time that's going to come and change who you are for the better.
0: Right. Is that a a good enough argument, though? Is that a good enough argument for short-term missions? Because I've heard that argument before where they say, you know, it's less about how the impact you have on other people, but how you yourself are changed. Is the damage that you do, is the potential damage you do, uh, um, does that balance out the changes that occur to you individually? Emphatically, yes. Really? And
1: this is why. If you know it ahead of time. Like if you plan it, yeah. if you say, I am going there to be served, if you have the audacity to say, God in me wants to do something in me and it's going to change my life so I can change others. Right. There's going to be a whole bunch of humility in that. I'm not going to do nearly as much damage because I'm not going to save people. You know? <laughs> I'm going with humility, like we said, like you said in the beginning, right? Sure. I'm going with a sense that, oh my goodness, these people have hard situations and they're still humble enough to
0: serve. Yeah, I could do that, too. OK, but if I can push back a little bit more, yeah. uh, do you need to go on a short term missions trip for that to happen? Or can you just travel? And secondly, you know, again, I because this is the argument I hear often, um, which is, you know, people, they're, they're changed. Right. And one of the ways that they're changed is this the impact that that can have seeing so much poverty. And so they come back and they say, you know, we can go through the phrases that they say, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, wow, they have nothing and they're so happy.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, or it was so great to love on those people. But another one is, uh, wow, I was, I I am so, I I am so blessed. It was so great to, to, you know, to come back and recognize how much I have, you know, how blessed I am to have all these things, right? I saw how poor these people were. Uh Wow, thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Yeah. You know, And I'm being a little bit facetious No, you're totally here, right. And yeah. I was facetious in, in my words too, right? Because I didn't say people that are poor.
1: I said specifically people with really hard stories. Right. Because reality is I have a hard story too. That's right. I think you're right. I think that if you are simply going for your own context, you have to rename it. Because our, our broad overarching picture of mission is that God is on mission and we're joining God's mission. Right. So if if we have this phrase like short-term mission, we we have to keep it in really loose hands to say, the reality is this short-term stuff is uh, godly travel maybe okay. or faith-based, uh,
0: you know, faith-based vacations. Volunteerism, yeah. <laughs> and if
1: we say it that way again, like just call it what it is. So, right, yeah, right. I, I'm not gonna, I don't even know if I, how would I raise money for that other than to say out loud, I'm just going to visit a place.
0: Right. If you want to well, give me some of your money you want to yeah. give me some of your money to go visit a place, right? And that's what's fresh. My wife is also; she's also the, the the daughter of missionaries, and we we often have conversations around people who raise support for these mm-hmm. kinds of trips, and our comment is always. I also want to go to Thailand. You yeah. know, I also yeah. want to. But but going back to what we were saying, you know, the 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 impact that it can have to see some of the poverty and some of these difficult stories. You know, again, like poor people don't exist around the world so that we can feel good about what we have in this country. Yeah. Nor do they exist so that we can then come back and pretend that we improve the situation. So again, I just I don't know to what extent I need a short term mission trip per se in the in the sort of traditional definition of it. In order to have that same kind of impact. And this is what we're going back, what we talked about earlier, which is the the and we're stereotyping, of course, you know, we're making some some generalizations, but I'm just I'm surprised at the amount of North American Christians who have difficult, it's it's troubling to them to go on vacation. And I tell them, go on vacation. Mm -hmm. You want to go to Tanzania, go to Tanzania and stay in the hotels, stay, you know, go, uh, you know, join the tours, go on safari. You are, you're bringing money to, to a government, to a country that the country itself is going to hopefully, right. Yeah. Have infrastructure and, and, and help the people. And they will know better how to help people than you spending a week, you know, and then taking two days at the end to go on, on the safari as a sort of reward for having done done God's good, work. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I guess maybe, maybe a if, if a fair way to frame
1: all of that is to say, just be honest and be careful. Yeah. You know, if, if you're going to go and just tour, then just say that, be honest. And if be you're gonna, okay with it and it's yeah, okay to do that. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to go and love people, then say that and do that, but don't expect to be waited on Then Right. Don't, right. don't throw a fit when your laundry isn't washed. Right. And your plane was late. Like you're just going to love so you can love in the airport. If you yes. get stuck there, you get stuck there, and
0: that's okay. That's what you came to do. So you're saying, don't be a jarto, please? Yes. Don't be a, <laughs> a Isitosh.
1: That's right. And and be careful because what you do affects other people. Yeah, for I mean, sure. Be, be careful. Think ahead. Yeah. Plan on not being able to plan. Yeah. Plan on seeing the world from a different perspective yeah. and being wrong about what yours
0: was. Right. Yeah, I like, I like what you keep coming back to, which is is the thinking deeply and considering the why, like really consider why. Part of the problem is with short-term missions trips is such a part of our culture in mm-hmm. the United States that we don't really even think about it anymore. It's just kind of a thing that you do every year and you join the youth group and you join the the fundraisers and then you go abroad, you come back with the same similar stories. And so to to not only on an individual level, but also a challenge to pastors and youth pastors yeah. to have these conversations I want to. I want to recommend a book. I so I'll recommend. Of course, when I'll cheat and say I'll recommend two because one and everybody's heard of "When Helping Hurts," uh, and I always forget their names: uh, Finkert and uh, Corbett. 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 Yes, thank you. Um, this is it's a classic text. When Helping Hurts, and it really it can be a challenging text uh, because it gets to questions like you know. Uh, the money that you're spending, the money that you're raising to go abroad, are you is it better off that you, are you better off just sending that money over to organizations that are on the ground already? And you got to think about that. Mm-hmm. You got to really consider is it better to just send the money, you know? And so it can be, you know, there's a work, there's like a handbook that you can go through, and I would strongly recommend that. But again, everybody's heard of that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and recommend um, an essay by Ivan Illich, mm-hmm. and it's called "To Hell with Good Intentions." And it's this beautiful speech that he gave back in the 1960s. So I think wow. it was like 1967 and it's a, it's really short. It's like eight, seven or eight pages. And he takes to task this idea that, and he, he's not even talking about short-term missions. It, it was more of a kind of a short-term, I forget what the organization was. Uh, it's, it's, it was kind of like um, the uh, Peace Corps, maybe that kind of thing where you're yep. going in for, for not very long and then coming back. No, it wasn't the Peace Corps because he mentions like even the Peace Corps spends more money um, training the the youth that come in. But he goes into all these ideas, these things about how uh, at best, you're not going to help anybody. At best, you're importing uh, North American white middle class um, values. That's yeah. what you're importing. And at the very end, he ends with this beautiful uh, exhortation. Is that a word?
1: Exhortation. I'm going to exhort. Yeah, thank you. Exhortation.
0: Let's think it in Spanish. Exhortation. Um, cause he says like, come, come to Mexico. It's, it's specifically Mexico. It's like, come to Mexico, come and, and climb our volcanoes and stay in our resorts and eat our food and participate in our culture. Come and do that, but don't come and pretend that you're going to help. Yeah. And so, and so I, I guess I'll, I'll leave you with those two. I'm sure you've read When Helping <laughs> Hearts so you're familiar with. Yeah. It. Um, but I have an Illich I would recommend. I don't one. know if
1: I can do this then. I
0: have two books. <laughs> <laughs>
1: one, uh, is Palo Freire, um, the, pedagogy of the oppressed? Yes. Yes. He has this picture that he describes about empty heads. Yes. Right? We're going to come and we're going to fill all the heads up with all the stuff we know. Instead of recognizing that actually heads are full. Mm -hmm. People are full of their lived experiences. And if we come to a place of short mission, like we're going to fill up a bunch of empty heads with the gospel or with the light or with love, we're totally missing the boat on humanity. That God's been there a lot longer than we have. And he's going to be there a lot longer after we leave. That's one. The other is a book called Making Culture by Andy Crouch. Okay. Um, This book is really interesting too. He is describing the myth of culture changers. Like my entire life I've grown up hearing in youth group, you're going to change the world. You're going to change the culture for Jesus. He's like, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Culture is massive. Culture is enormous. And you're not, how can you change it? The reality is, is that you get to be a part of what God's doing within a culture, Yeah. right? I mean, our, our work hopefully is just like the in, incarnation where Jesus steps into the middle of a particular culture yeah. and loves it and retranslates it. And then it changes, right? right culture right, changes, yeah. not because Nick has a great idea. Yeah, I mean, culture changes as people live their experiences with a different translation. Of,
0: I like that because not one. only... Not only do you reframe this idea, but you also lower the pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you can think of the youth growing up in church, thinking that I have to change the culture, and, and all of a sudden you can release that pressure a little bit. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know it's interesting. One of the responses I often get from students when I when I talk about this is a they get defensive, and and some some get offended, you know, because they talk about their own experience, their own short term mission trip, and I, got, I try to tell them you you're not going to change the past you've done what you've done. You did it with good intentions. This is not what this is about. You know, this is about moving forward, thinking deeply about how mission strips are done now. If you're doing it with your church, uh, this isn't about making you feel badly about something that you've done, or at least that's my, that's, that's how I try to, to, to do it.
1: Daniel Sweeney is a, a prophet, the seminary. And one of the things he always says is not what you have done. It's what you do because of what you've done. I love it. And that feels like you could do you could apply that to everything including a short term well, mission this. trip yeah, especially if you're gone feeling awry. guilty
0: if you listen to this and you and you're thinking wow i did that i was a part of this i was and then you get or because that's the other reaction is they get really down on themselves and you know i shouldn't have done this so i love that it's, say it one more time it's not what you have done it's what you do because of what you've done that. that's great yeah okay well now now we're going to drop a pin on the globe All right. And what we're gonna do, we're gonna spin the globe, stop it somewhere, and then we're just gonna talk about whatever we know about the area. And if we don't know anything, then we don't know anything. Let's see Let's see where we land. That looks like China. Ooh. China. Have you been to China? There was a kid that
1: came from China to Tanzania. Really? He was this really interesting guy where he would um, he was one of the ones that like his parents made him come and just kind of forced him to have this experience in the world. Mm-hmm. And it, actually that turned out to be a whole lot better than some of the ones that come with the, you know, God complex on their shoulder because <laughs> he shows up and he does not want to be there. And so when he sees a change, like something that he recognizes is actually this is different than the way we do it. And I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. He was, he was kind of shocked enough to be ready for it. Anyway, I knew this kid not uh, Terry, he was awesome. Did he?
0: Did he speak English? Did you? He had how's English, your Mandarin? His <laughs> English
1: is like a third language. Uh, mm-hmm. I only speak a little bit of Mandarin. Ni hao ma, wo huan shui. Okay, uh, and I think this is right. Ju yo which means hello. I am handsome. It was a
0: lovely flight. <laughs> uh, that's about all I got. Very important phrases to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I lived in Taiwan many years ago, um, and I, I was trying to learn Mandarin as well, but I don't. I remember, it. yeah, same thing. Ni hao, ma, shi huan. I think shi huan is the only thing that I say correctly mm. in Mandarin because the tones, you know. Uh-huh. And it's because I was learning Mandarin, and my teacher, she wasn't very picky on the tones. Mm. I think she just wanted us to to get more vocab. But then my we my wife had a she well she was my friend as well, but she's a, a German missionary into in Taiwan, mm. and um and I was talking to her, and I was so proud of my Mandarin. And she took me to town. She's like, "You're not speaking. Like, what is it, what is this that you are speaking? This is not." And, and we landed on Huan. She's like, "You got to say. It's like Xi'an, you know." And I practiced it and practiced it. And I think it's the only thing that I say correct. It's a hard language. I think for somebody who doesn't know, who's not accustomed to the tones, uh, mm-hmm. it can be really difficult. But there's
1: a a tongue twister I think in Mandarin, and I never got it right. But it's just the the phrase ma. Uh-huh. In several different tones. Oh, and it has really? a full sentence, ma, 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 <laughs> something like that. I don't know how it is, but yeah, that's what I know about China.
0: Well, great. Well, as always, it's 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 fun to talk about traveling in this context. I think it's um, particularly important because the the message needs to be something along the lines of, you know, if you're going to do short-term missions, there's a way to do it. And there's a way to do it right. And you should think deeply about it, but you should travel you should Mm -hmm. talk to people you should try new things you should be adventurous and you should be safe sometimes this video podcast is a production of george fox digital to find more material like this you can subscribe to george fox talks on youtube apple podcasts spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts our team really appreciates your feedback in the form of likes comments and reviews and we'd really love to hear what you think to sign up for our weekly email list and to keep up to date with the latest episodes and publications, you can check us out on the web at georgefox.edu talks. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.